You're listening to For the Love of Avocados, a podcast by Mission Produce. With almost four decades of fresh avocado experience, we're here to guac about tips and tricks, avocado farming, marketplace trends, and everything in between. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Welcome to the sixth episode of For the Love of Avocados. I'm your host, Denise Young Crow, and today we're going to talk about For the Love of Avocado Farming with Scott Cummings, a fifth generation avocado grower from California. We will dive into the life of an avocado grower, what it is like to grow avocados, and get those buttery, flavorful, nutrient-rich superfoods we all love to our stores. So without further delay, let's welcome Scott to the show. Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Scott Cummings. I am a fifth generation Ventura County farmer. Um, I grow avocados and lemons. Wonderful. And uh, I was born and raised here in Ventura County and then went to school up north in Chico. Mm -hmm. And then from there moved over to Monterey Salinas and worked for a vegetable shipper out there. And then decided it was time to come home and start being a farmer like everybody else in my family. So how'd your family actually start in farming? Five generations ago or four generations ago, my great-great-great-grandpa or whatever came through the Panama Canal and came over that way and started farming soybeans and hogs in Mm. Ventura County. Right on. And then uh, he went up to San Francisco and found a wife and some help to come back down and set roots right there in Ventura and it's actually kind of it's grown and gotten smaller and kind of changed and moved I'm not actually on the piece of ground that was from the 1800s but yeah and then when did you guys actually start farming avocados first avocado trees we planted were in 56 so 1956 was the first block avocado trees it started started farming the soybeans and hogs Mm -hmm. and then kind of went into walnuts and some other stuff and then oranges, and we kind of started taking oranges out and replacing them with lemons and avocados in the late 50s, mid to late 50s, and now here we are, just yeah. lemons and avocados. <laughs> well, it sounds like your family has a wide variety of different crops that they've farmed, and it sounds like they've also just, you guys have honed into what really works for you and your family. So, glad to see that avocados are still a part of the equation, <laughs> you know, since the 1950s. So, what brought you back to the farm? What made you decide to, like, take that fifth generation? legacy and continue it on it was kind of just to that what you just said like being a farmer and being Mm -hmm. in that industry for so long everything I've always done has always been kind of evolved around agriculture so I did the sales thing and the commodity Mm -hmm. management behind Mm -hmm. the desk Uh and I did all that stuff in Monterey and Salinas and I just decided I wanted to be outside in the sun and my hands in the dirt instead of behind a desk and just the lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what I really enjoy about Wonderful. I've actually heard that from a lot of growers. Like, I just want to be outside. I love being outside. I love being in nature. And Ventura County is a lovely place to do that year-round. You don't always have that everywhere, right? (laughs) So talk to us about, like, what's a day in your world? What is your, like, what is your day like? I think people automatically think of maybe that, like, nostalgic, like, farmer thing where you got the rooster or whatever, but... (laughs) No roosters, no roosters. Um, It pretty much started, most irrigation is something that's really important, and Mm -hmm. especially this time of year. Right now we're in summertime, it's really hot. We had a really dry winter, so irrigating is probably the thing that I do the most of and one of the most important things Mm -hmm. that I do is irrigate and other than that you know just kind of maintaining everything you Mm -hmm. know sometimes you got to go through and prune up some trees and 
clean stuff up and yeah. take care of the keep the weeds down. Yeah, and when it comes to like irrigating with issues with water, how hard is that to like manage? Does it take a level of management that maybe your ancestors didn't experience? Or... Yeah, well, it was done a lot different. I mean, back in you know until even 50, 60 years ago, they were kind of doing flood type irrigation mm-hmm. with furrows and this and that, and now trying to be more water conscious and mm-hmm. use the water the best that we can for mm-hmm. the trees that we have. It's all micro sprinkler systems. And uh, the water, I'm lucky to be in an area that has pretty decent groundwater. Mm-hmm. So water isn't really, <laughs> you say it now, but it's not that big of an issue yet um, mm-hmm. for me. I, ha- I have enough water to water the trees. And are you doing anything to like manage and conserve that groundwater since you know you only have it's what you have on your land now and understanding that you're probably going to want to farm for another few generations hopefully are you doing anything to preserve that and manage that differently than you even thought maybe you would have five years ago back five years ago we were irrigating the trees a lot differently because mm-hmm. i wasn't really that involved with the ranch with my family's ranch for you know 15 years between college and then i went to went to monterey and salinas and worked up mm-hmm. there and the older, the older practices were kind of more, you know, you put a lot more water on a lot uh, less frequently. And now we're putting a lot less water on a lot more frequently. And I think we're, you're using less water altogether in trying to do things like that. Yeah. Just um, learning and managing Just differently learning and busy. trying to figure out the best way. You know, that's one of the things that Mission actually really helps their growers with a lot mm-hmm. is trying to figure that out. What's the best for the tree to get the most out of the tree? Because that is one of the things that's hard farming in California is it's so expensive. Yeah. It's hard to farm in California. Yeah. So many regulations and this and that and the other. And getting the most out of the tree mm-hmm. is something that's really important. And it's the only way to keep doing it. You know, yeah. if we were doing things the way we even were. 15, 20 years ago, and everybody was, you wouldn't be able to afford to even grow avocados because Mm -hmm. the trees weren't producing as much fruit as they are today with these better growing practices. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit. And then I want to circle back around just to kind of like tell the story of a grower and packer and, you know, almost the supply chain. But let's talk a little bit more about like the input costs. And I know growers, not just in avocados, but in many commodities, they really struggle in California because the level of regulation and the input costs and you know, California is a wonderful place to be. A lot of people move here, but then that also puts strain on a lot of resources. And one of the things that's pretty fascinating is I don't think a lot of people know California is one of the five Mediterranean climates in the world and what that means to just food supply and how crucial that is to making sure that we're able to continue to farm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, these hotter days, that's definitely kind of a concern for moving forward. You know, is it going to continue to trend like this and how... You know, how much hotter is it going to get? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, regulations are uh, are a factor. I think kind of more of the factors are the input costs and the labor costs are two of the two of the big things. Water is the main thing. I mean, you have to have good mm-hmm. water to farm, and water is getting more expensive, and labor is getting more difficult to find and more expensive. It's tough to find people that are capable and willing to work out there. It's something you want consumers to like understand that like some of these costs that you have to endure is really kind of like contributes because we know that every consumer is always like, oh, avocados are so expensive. Like why? And, you know, I think it's good for consumers to understand like no one is trying to take advantage of the consumer. All people are trying to do is really 
deliver quality fruit, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot goes into that avocado making it to your grocery store shelf or mm -hmm. in the guacamole tray. You know, a lot goes into that. A lot of people are out in the field. All the work that we do is manual labor by a person. You know, there's no, uh, there's no fee as far as field goes, there's no automation. It takes someone out there to touch the avocado, clip it off the tree, put it in their, put it in their sack and put it in the bin, you know, and that, and the, all the pruning is done by hand and that's all, that's all manual labor. So there's a lot of the inputs and the, or the costs yeah. for, for the labor. And, you know, again, farming in California, like our labor costs because of our minimum wage and these type of things are all a lot heavier than maybe other other states or either other countries, right? So all of those in-pot costs add to it. But I think a lot of people still find a lot of value in California products and are willing to kind of pay more of the premium for those products because they're local, yeah, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's partly got to be kind of portrayed down the line all the way to the customers. And they have to they have to know that, you know, California fruit is a, because of where we're growing it and because we're maybe a, we have, our growing practices are a little more dialed in. We're growing better fruit. Like mm -hmm. you look at the fruit and it's a, it's a better piece of fruit. So do you feel like some people say, oh, it's the California sunshine or do you feel like it's the soil? What do you think really contributes to that flavor profile you're talking about? Uh, I think it's the, the coastal climate mm -hmm. and the soil. And I think it's kind of a factor of all of those things and our growing practices, you know, the irrigation methods that we use, the, the micro sprinklers, the nutrients that we put on the tree, you know, the nitrogen and potassium, and they need all these things, calcium, they need all these things. And if you're willing to put the effort and, and make sure that the tree gets it, it's going to give you back the best piece of fruit that it can. Awesome. And awesome. we're able to do that. Very cool. So I know that you had referenced Mission and we're your shipper, we're your packer and shipper. Can you tell us a little bit about not only what's that relationship like, but I don't think a lot of people understand that you can't just like get it directly from the grower. Like there's these infrastructures built and that it's all in partnership together. Like why do you decide to actually use a packer than maybe go to a farmer's market? Because especially something like a place like Mission, you know, they've done, in my opinion, so much for the avocado industry and they've done such a good job of marketing it in the right program and everything. I mean, I don't know the stats exactly, but it's something like in the night and even just in the early 90s, pretty recently or mid 90s, the average American consumer was eating like one or two pounds of avocados per year. Now we're at eight. And now, yeah, exactly. Now it's, it's so is it eight? That's yeah. what I was going to say. I wasn't sure, but I think it's, yeah. And so, I mean, and I think companies, or I think Mission has pretty much propelled that and made that happen because the avocado, if you're unfamiliar with it, it is kind of a tricky thing. You get a piece of fruit that's fresh off the tree and depending on how warm your kitchen is or if you put it in a brown bag or whatever to get it to ripen it's always a little bit different and unless you're really familiar with the avocado it's tough to tell and to be able to allow restaurants and consumers to order a product that's ready to go right now I think that's really really helped. Awesome so since Mission is a global business and we're worldwide what does it feel like for you as a grower to know that your fruit could be in South Korea, uh, yeah, in I Japan, think, I, I think really, in the East Coast? <laughs> I, I think mean, it's really cool. And that's the thing, too, is that, I mean, the exports always, you know, they always get the, the biggest, they mm -hmm. always want the biggest, best fruit, too. And so it's kind of neat to think that ideally you're packing it, you're able to pack in an export pack. Yeah. Because it's the that means you have the best you got the best fruit. So it's kind of cool to think somebody over yeah. in Japan is probably eating yeah. eating the fruit that 
Exactly. Came off our ranch in Ventura. Um, so neat, so neat. So I think the other thing I want to talk about is actually the seasonality for California fruit. When does the season begin? When do we typically end? When can people really be looking out for that fruit? Uh, yeah, we typically start um, depending on how old the trees are and which region you're in. There's a lot of different factors. You know, some of our older trees, because we actually still have a block of those trees that were planted in the 50s which is kind of crazy. I mean, they're mm-hmm. put 70 years old now, you know, and they still push out fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a little bit smaller fruit and it comes a little bit later. And then other other blocks, some of the younger blocks, you know, they, they come in in March, April and usually pick through the summer. And guys are certain other regions like up in Central Coast, San Luis Obispo County, they're just now kind of starting to ramp up and get going. They typically go a little bit later. So yeah, pretty much anytime from I'd say March, April, March-ish mm-hmm. to September, the, the latest, yeah. September, October. And I mean, so like, for example, right now, if we, ju- we just finished up about a week ago and there's avocados currently on the tree for next year that are, you know, the size of a marble or a ping pong ball. And then there's also the fruit that's ready to get picked right now. So, I mean, the fruit stays stays on the tree for a long time. And that's one of the... That's one of the really difficult things too because it's like you walk around out there right now and i'm like yeah it looks good you know it looks really good but we still have to get through september october november east wind season and you know i mean the east winds have been picking up just like the heat has you know we had 50 mile an hour east winds last season you know and then it can it can get really hot in september too august september and so that'll fry up the trees a little bit unless you then mm-hmm. but that irrigation management comes into play there because if you can throw a little bit of water on them all the time when it's getting hot and mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be that much you know a couple hours or something on a hot day will make the difference between yeah. your tree browning up and your tree making it I think one of the most fascinating things about being a grower, besides the fact that it's a lifestyle, like it's your life, <laughs> but is everything you have to manage. Like, I don't think people, you know, we go to the store, we pick the stuff up and it's like, great. But you just talked about a lot of factors that you have to pay attention to and that could actually take out your crop, right? So it's like, if these winds come through, it can take out next year's crop. Mm-hmm. You know, in California, people got hit by the fires. Um, you know, there's so many factors. Can you talk a little bit about that and just how that could actually affect what happens in not only the life cycle of the tree, but like this season, next season? Yeah, you know, um, especially like right now, say you were holding on, you wanted to try to pick a little bit later because sometimes the market can get a little bit better towards the end of summer. So there's some guys that are maybe still holding on to fruit, waiting for some bu- a little bump in it. So right now, if it were to get too hot and your irrigation practices weren't that great, you know, you drop the fruit that's on the tree for this year, and then you also have, like I was saying, ping pong marble size stuff out there right now for next year that can also get fried off. <laughs> well, it could be detrimental, right? So like you could you could be looking, like you said, oh. There's like this marble. Looks like things are going to be great next year. I've got some buds. Looks like we're going to be like, oh, this is going to be a good crop. And the other thing is avocados are alternate bearing, right? So like one one year you're going to, you're like, yes, this is going to be more than last year. And then like a wind, the wind comes, comes through. through or the freeze comes yeah. through in December, you know, avocados don't like it when it gets below 32 yeah. degrees outside. You know, that's one of the things that makes us unique around here too is that temperate Mediterranean, as you mentioned, type of climate. And Mm -hmm. they don't like it at all when it gets below 
30, 32 degrees. Besides like irrigation, what are the other types of things that you do to try to manage these weather situations? Are there any other tools in your tool belt or is it you really just have to pray? (laughs) Yeah, and focus on tree health. I mean, because the healthier trees are the ones that are going to be more resilient to that. You know, even when the east wind blows... If you have a a nice full tree with a lot of foliage in there and it's kind of protecting the avocados that are on the inside of the tree, it helps. So I think tree strength is really the best thing that you just make sure your trees are getting all the nutrients and water that they need and and pray. That's all you can really do. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about the windstorms or if it gets super hot. You know, last Labor Day we had 120 yeah at the ranch and it's like i mean what can you do about that mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. hot no matter what yeah. <laughs> exactly you know? right exactly well we like to end every show with knowing how you like to enjoy an avocado oh that's i got a couple ways i grew i like the grilled avocado and i actually just learned about the grilled avocado okay. recently um i like to do that just avocado plain in a tortilla, mm-hmm. throw throw it in a tortilla with some salsa, wrap it up like a little burrito and munch it. Simple. Fantastic. Yeah. You heard it here, directly from the grower, exactly how to eat the avocado. So I think everybody needs to start grilling them. It's perfect time, summertime. Mission's running their Summer Fridays campaign. So I think that is a perfect way to spend your Friday. So thanks so much for coming and joining us today, Scott. We really appreciate having you. You bet. Thanks for having me. This is the sixth episode of For the Love of Avocados. We want you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening, leave us a rating, and then write us a review. Join in on the conversation online using the hashtag for the love of avocados. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Mission Avocados. I'm your host today, Denise Joan Crow, signing off. We want to thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back with us next month.